0: All his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you to be here with us this morning in this place, and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here. May my words now be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, today is Palm Sunday, easily the most jam-packed service of the year. Today we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, and we also remember his trial and crucifixion. For a long time, I thought this was a real problem. I thought we ought to focus on one thing at a time. Triumphal entry on Sunday, crucifixion on Good Friday. And it actually I think can work in other ways. At a former church I served, we did the normal Palm Sunday service, read the triumphal entry as the main gospel reading, just preached on that and then read the passion at the very end. So we did the final hymn and then read the passion and left the church. In silence. That was pretty powerful, but um, that was a church at which, to be perfectly honest, um, I, couldn't attend on very, I couldn't count on very much Good Friday attendance, so we sort of had to uh, kill two birds with one stone, if you will. And then, of course, there was the COVID Holy Week two years ago, where we were all trapped in our houses, and I was live streaming Palm Sunday from my living room. Uh, that year, we also did just Palm Sunday all by itself. Because I knew you were coming to Good Friday, at least in an online way. Where else were you going to go? Uh, But despite some of these possible other ways of doing it, I do, upon reflection, think that our prayer book designers were on to something when they not only provide for a unique Good Friday liturgy, which we'll do on Friday right here at 6 p.m., but also have us go through this Strange sort of two-headed service, which includes both of these stories on the same morning. The triumphal entry and the passion and crucifixion. And the reason I think that they're onto something is that these two things, Palm Sunday and Good Friday, actually go together. In some sense, they have to go together. Joy and sadness, rejoicing and pain They go together in this service because they go together in life. I'm reminded of Milhouse Van Houten's great line when Lisa Simpson dumps him and breaks his heart. He says, we started out like Romeo and Juliet, but ended in tragedy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why Romeo and Juliet has such staying power, right? Because it's so true to life. Everyone can identify with it. Love and tragedy joy and pain happening at pretty much the same time. And it's all illustrated so clearly by this service and by its two crowds. So on the one hand, we have the worshiping crowd of Palm Sunday, people spreading their cloaks and palm branches on the ground and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, we did it ourselves singing all glory, laud, and honor, and waving the palms. It's a wonderful, worshipful scene. Jesus' kingship and holiness are so manifest in this moment, in fact, that when the Pharisees try to get the people to be quiet, they're told that if the people stop praising him, the very stones would cry out in worship. It's hugely joyful. But only a few days later, Jesus is faced with a very different kind of crowd, a crowd that's screaming for his crucifixion, a crowd who would rather have the violent, revolutionary Barabbas released to them, a crowd who shouts down Pilate's ambivalence and demands Jesus's execution. Holy Week. Reminds us, and our liturgy this morning won't let us forget that these two crowds exist side by side. So, which crowd are you a member of? Don't worry, it's a trick question. The answer is both. But I bet that as we read these stories, you wanted to identify with the Palm Sunday crowd rather than the Good Friday crowd, right? Who wouldn't? If I was there, we'd like to think I wouldn't have wanted him crucified. I'd have supported him. But even as we have that thought, the better we know ourselves, the more difficult it is to actually believe. Peter, for instance, who began the week at Jesus' side, ended it by denying him three times. And we all have that tendency. And so we are forced, almost despite ourselves, to identify more closely with the Good Friday crowd. There's a reason, after all, that we make you say crucify him during the Passion reading. We make you, as part of our liturgy, identify with that crowd. But no one likes that. I've even had people come up and complain to me about that part of the service. I wouldn't have said that then, and so I shouldn't have to say it now. (laughs) But we would have, and so we do. So what do we do now? We, who hate the fact that we are identified with the jeering, angry crowd, and want desperately to identify with the joyful, worshipping crowd, Well, we do what's natural. We do what we always do. We get to work. We try, by our spiritual and relational effort, to move ourselves from one crowd to the other. And we are constantly evaluating our progress, right? Maybe we're not all the way there yet. We're still sinners after all. But wouldn't it be nice to think of ourselves as at least on our way into the other crowd? The one celebrating Jesus as the Messiah. And this journey is how we come to think of our lives. A steady path of development, step by step, up a gradual hill. Life becomes a long program of self-improvement, during which we become more caring, more compassionate, and wiser, more faithful. Making our way from the angry crowd to the worshiping one. We think of these two crowds as completely separate. The angry one at the bottom of the hill and the worshipping one at the top. And life, and the Christian life in particular, is about climbing from one to the other. Getting better would be our theme song. If only we could make it work. Now there's literally a song by the Beatles, as you may know, called Getting Better. And it pretty hilariously, in my opinion, sheds light on how this actually goes for us humans, which is nothing at all like what I just described. You probably know the song. I'm not going to do the Liverpool accent. Uh, I've got to admit it's getting better, a little better all the time. And then almost in an echo, it can't get no worse. That's the truth about the human experience. Just when we think we've made some progress up the ladder of life, when it's getting better, something happens, the bottom of our lives drops out from under us, and we realize that we are on the very bottom rung, hanging on by our fingernails. It can't get no worse. And all of a sudden, Palm Sunday has crashed into Good Friday. Because the truth is, we are in both of these crowds, and we are in both of them all at once. At the time of the Reformation, there was a great rediscovery of a fundamental truth about human nature, a truth that is especially true for Christians, that we are not on some lifelong climb from one crowd to another. Christians, the Reformers said, are They said in Latin was simul justus et peccator, which you can show off for your friends. We are at the same time justified and sinners. We have roiling around in us simultaneously the urge to worship Jesus as our king and the faith to believe that it's true. And the urge to go it on our own, to forsake God's Messiah and instead place ourselves on that throne, to shout crucify him. In the temple courtyard we you and I regularly find ourselves in both crowds they are both in us these two shouting mobs are our story and they are the story of all humanity and they are what Palm Sunday is all about Palm Sunday reminds us that we are just the kind of people who would cheer Jesus on Sunday and jeer him on Friday. It is typical of us to be full of faith like Peter at the beginning of the week and completely faithless like Peter by the time the week is over. Sometimes it doesn't take nearly that long. As our liturgy this morning helps us realize We are a throng full of faith, welcoming our Lord Jesus. Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And we are an angry mob screaming for his crucifixion. So it's good and right for us to read both of these stories today. Since both crowds exist in us, the angry crowd and the praising chorus, faithfulness and faithlessness, living in tension, more often than not with the faithlessness winning out. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. How true do Paul's words in Romans 7 ring for us this morning. For I do not do the good I want, Against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The words in the passion story, though admittedly they don't appear in Luke's passion, which is the one we read this morning, they appear in both Matthew and Mark. The words in the passion story that ring loudest in my ears are Jesus's cry of Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words are the pivot on which the gospel swings. Jesus is abandoned by his father because at that moment he has become the sin of the world. The weight of. Of every deceit, every hateful word, every lustful thought, every covetous eye, yours and mine, and the world over, comes crashing down on his shoulders. And Almighty God, who is as separate from sin as East is from the West, is not there. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But as our sin fell on Jesus, his righteousness, his perfection, his sinlessness is given to us. All at once, not after a long program of self-improvement, not after years spent perfecting ourselves and earning our way, not after we have finally made our way from the bad crowd to the good one, Jesus's righteousness comes to you before you deserve it. Love for the unlovable. Faith for the faithless. Eternal life for the sinner. Who will deliver me from this body of death? St. Paul asked. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Begged the thief next to him on the cross. Thanks be to God, Paul answers. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Truly, I say to you, Jesus told that thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Who will deliver us from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, does not wait for us to climb from one crowd to the other. He comes to us while we are shouting for his death and gives us his perfect life. He comes to us while we are his enemies, plucks us up by his grace alone and makes us his worshipers. We become his disciples not by our work, but by his We are made righteous by grace alone through faith in Christ. This is what we celebrate on Palm Sunday. Jesus enters through the joyful crowd singing his praises, but his destination is the cross, his goal, the salvation of the whole world, including the very crowd shouting for his blood. Indeed, his body will be broken for them. His blood will be shed for them, for us, for you. So come partake with us of that body and blood and remember the faith with which we began our service today. All glory, laud, and honor to thee, Redeemer King. And at the same time, remember your sin, your proclivity, even still to shout, crucify him. But most of all, remember the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus comes into the sin, into the angry mob, even into death itself and rescues you. Who will deliver you? Thanks be to God who saves through Jesus Christ. Amen.